Hey everyone, welcome to Deconstructed, Golf.com's instruction podcast with me, your host, Luke Cudderney. I'm the instruction editor here at Golf.com. I've been a swing nerd my entire life, and I'm constantly on the hunt for a good golf tip. This week, that's leading me to the long drive circuit. Look, distance is the most important part of the game today, period. Look at the best players on earth. Guys like Rory and DJ and Brooks, they all hit the ball the longest because it's the most important factor in golf. Distance is turning the game upside down. Courses are being lengthened and some of the most historic tracks on earth are being forced to change the layout or be left behind. It's why there's a debate raging about whether we need to roll back equipment to keep this trend under control. We all want more distance. We all need more distance. And sometimes we'll go to pretty extreme extents to get it. Which brings me to my colleague, Josh Sens. He was so desperate for more distance, he sought out a professional world long driver for a lesson. Someone who regularly smashes drives more than 400 yards. All right, so Josh, you took a long drive lesson with Wes Patterson because you were trying to do something that you've never done before. Why don't you tell us a little more about that? Yeah, I went uh, down to Arizona to cover the auction Smash in the Sun. It's the uh, opening event of the world long drive circuit. And in advance of that event, they have the long drive equivalent of a pro-am. They call it the long drive experience, where they pair one of these long drive beasts with an amateur schmo like me, and you hit four balls on a grid in a competition, and just like a pro-am, they take, you know, they take the best scores. So they take the best of your four balls, and in the pro-amateur competition, you win a little prize. So it was, it was, in short, the long drive version of a pro-am, so I need to learn how to get much longer pretty quickly in advance of this event. And is this a secret dream you've always harbored, being a long drive guy? Is this something you've looked enviously <laughs> upon? Yeah, you know, we all, we all want to smash it forever. But, um, you know, I'm, I've, I've sort of resigned myself to being a, a warning track power hitter over the years, you know. Get it out there if I really crush one, maybe 250, 260, and that, then let my savvy and crafty short game take me in from there. But, no, I think like, like every golfer, everybody wants more distance. That's the intoxicating quest, right? So it wasn't something I was uh, – you know, thinking, oh, if I could only crack 300, my life will be complete. But once the story was assigned, it seemed like a good goal. And so why don't we back up and why don't you give us a little bit of an overview about your uh, golf career so far? So um, I picked up the game late. I grew up in the New England area playing hockey and uh, baseball, and I played lacrosse in college. I was not a golfer. I thought of golf the way a lot of people thought of golf. But then, you know, typical story first swing was hooked and so i really started getting serious or trying to get serious about it in my early 20s i'm now in my mid-50s and after falling into golf writing in my late 20s i started seeking out every bit of information from everybody i could ever find i'm, I'm the kind of person i'll take a swing tip from my uber driver on the way to the airport i'm like on the constant quest so i think that i've never taken the same swing twice because i'm always tinkering and i have a so i don't know if i'm giving you too much detail there but i have a I have what I think of as a pretty handsy homemade swing, despite all the uh, tips I've gotten over the years. But, you know, at my best, I did get down to about a 1.3 at one point. But it always felt to me like I was uh, a manufactured 1.3. I never felt like I was a very good golfer, even when I got down to a pretty low index. And so you mentioned you played hockey growing up. Now, a lot of hockey players who I know that have played golf tend to hook the ball. Uh, pretty severely uh-huh. um i think it's yeah. that slap shot motion that that, yeah. that that promotes that uh is that a problem that you've struggled with or what what has been your miss through the years i hate to say the two-way miss in part but i mean i i think now in my in my 50s and 
when I really when I start going badly, it's sort of a block slice. Generally, not a great combination, right? No, the block slice, no right, starting right, going right, doesn't usually work. Um, but uh, I, uh, I've always felt that if I really go after the ball, that if I release my hands through impact, that I'm going to hit a smother hook. And I don't know. This is my amateur analysis, but I've seen enough of my swing on video where it looks like I'm coming pretty far inside as I'm coming into the ball. That I'm stuck, as they say behind my club head is stuck behind my body and so it requires me to really flip my hands quickly so i think it makes sense I mean, you would be able to tell me better but it seems to make sense to me that if i were to go at it too fast and too hard you know turning my hands over too quickly through impact that low hook would be um would be the result so my response has been to have that sort of note to begay hang on where i i hit it and then i just hang on for dear life and uh, try to steer it into the fairway. I've never felt, I've never once felt like I've really gone after a shot with full aggression and release. And so it's, and as you've hit your midlife golf crisis, those uh, years of steering the ball down the right side of the fairway have manifested themselves into a long drive competition participant. Yeah, no, that's not the best way to go out there and then really nut one, you know? Yeah, so you go to West, you get a lesson. What what, what, what did he tell you? How, how, how did you get more distant? Uh, well, I should, I'll tell you for starters, he, he had me hit about five balls. Wes is a big guy. Um, there's a video accompanying the article if you get a chance to click online. And you see him, he, he was a former professional baseball player, had some time in the big leagues and plays in the mini tours. A big guy, like just a different natural athlete than, than I am. Um, first shot I hit, he looked at me and said, oh my God, this is going to be a lot tougher than I thought. And basically his analysis was that I had no lower body involved in my swing, uh, that um, there was no drive from my hips or my legs, that I just had a sort of a weak turn over a stable lower body. And his, his quick tip to me was to fire those hips. You know, we've probably all heard that a million times in tour broadcasts or from instructors or just in casual conversations. you got to so the drive the hips through the shot, but he was really on me to to do that, and I only did it a few with a, with a few shots, but I noticed the difference immediately. You know, I, I noticed the difference immediately, and what felt to me like a really exaggerated motion to him still wasn't nearly enough. He kept saying, "Fire those hips, fire those hips," and watching on the video that I see of the competition, you know, to me it felt like my hips were going to splinter, but I can see what he's saying because when I look at it in video, it looks to me like they're not moving at all. And so when he's saying fire your hips, is he talking yeah. about your backswing too? Is he saying you need to turn back more and then turn through more? Or is this specifically a downswing thing? Like when yeah, you get to no, the top, just about, spin. Right, exactly. He was basically saying, this is from the downswing. He said, you know, spin those hips out. He wanted me to feel like my left hip was spinning out hard to the left to start my swing. Which to me... You know, just my, my amateur take on that was like, that sounds wrong. I mean, I know I'm supposed to have my hips involved in the swing, but I thought if I spun my hips out really quickly, isn't that going to, doesn't that mean I'm coming out of the shot? Doesn't that leave the club way behind? Doesn't that just exaggerate the problem I already have? That's what it felt like to me. That's interesting. Well, it's funny because the whole spinning of the hips thing is, it's always been around in golf. If you look at, say, Jack Nicklaus and Johnny Miller, they all had very aggressive lower bodies. But I think it's, 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 it's taken a higher emphasis nowadays in 
uh, golf instruction, you see so many teachers as they're, you know, as the name of the game becomes more about chasing distance, right? You see so many more teachers saying, we got to get those hips more involved in the swing. You look at some of the most influential names in instruction now, some of our top 100s like George Gankus, they're all trying to get that rotation as much as possible through the shot because uh-huh. they know that's where the speed comes from. And, and, and do they normally talk about it as also in the backswing, like sort of turning the left hip away from the ball? Is that the move that they discuss? So now we're getting into the holy war of uh, golf Twitter, golf instruction here, Josh. So there's basically two schools of thought, right? There's the X-Factor school of thought, which says mm-hmm. uh, the way you get power is by creating resistance between the lower body and the upper body, right? Like a coiled spring. You let your upper body turn as much as possible. You keep your lower body stationary as much as possible. And then that resistance creates a spring-like effect through the ball, which helps you hit it further. It's all based on actually a golf magazine study back in the day uh, by Jim McLean, who measured long hitters and found that that X factor, what they call it, the difference between how much they turn their hips and how much they turn their upper body is actually... Uh, greater in players who hit it further. And so that's uh, what led to this whole school of thought. But mm-hmm. but recently, led mostly by Brandel Chambly over at Golf Channel, actually, the new school of thought that said, no, resisting with the lower body doesn't just hurt your body, basically. It doesn't, it doesn't, put, pr- it just doesn't just put pressure on your lower back, but it also uh, actually inhibits your ability to create distance because uh, what you want is a turn like Phil Mickelson or a turn like John Daly, who interestingly had a massive X factor, but he mm. made a massive turn with his hips. Phil Mickelson makes mm. a massive turn with his hips on the backswing. So what they're saying is you want to turn as far back as possible. Um, so lift the left heel is something you hear Chambly say all the time um, because yeah. that allows you to then turn all the way back through. Um, so there's a, it's a big debate going on right now. So I find it interesting, uh, going back to your point, that it, w- it seemed like your lesson was focused mostly on the downswing portion. It was, yeah. He really wanted me to, he really wanted me to fire out. And, um, you know, I had known from seeing videos of my swing and taking lessons in the past on my you know, endless quest to try to get better, I had seen before that I didn't have much lower body involved. I had done the K-Vest things where they put sensors on you and, and tell you what parts of your body are moving. And so I knew sort of in the back of my head that I got generated very little power from my lower body. But that was also sort of, you know, you, it was interesting you talking about the two different schools of thought. I had also come into the long drive thinking my lower body should be stable. That's the whole point. I want to I create that torque and sort of I wasn't thinking about moving my lower body at all at that time. I thought it was the best way to keep it straight and, 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 and catch it flush was to keep my lower body stable. Now, I'm really interested about how you've taken a bunch of lessons through your life. As you said, uh, some of the tips you, you employ into your golf swing come from Uber drivers, which I respect because I, I do the same thing. Um, yeah. But in terms of how did this lesson from a guy who's simply trying to get you to hit the ball further, how does that differ yeah. from your traditional lesson from the guy at your club who you go to uh, just to help straighten you out? How, how are those two lessons yeah. different? It, I mean, it was interesting being, being in an environment like the long drive where the quest is just sheer power. I mean, obviously, you have, to, you're, you have to hit it into the grid, which varies, I think, from like 40 to 50 yards, depending on the tournament venue. But there was something about talking to a guy like Wes, who was just all about raw power, and him telling me what was going to generate more speed that sort of gave me permission to just let it fly. I was no longer 
really thinking anything at all about a target. There's this, you know, music pumping, and there's this adrenaline coursing through the atmosphere, and this guy, Wes, is going, hit it harder, swing harder, swing harder, swing harder. And, uh, you know, that's sort of, you know, I know that speed is the name of the game in the modern era, but it's still, you know, coming up and learning the game, it was always sort of swing easy, don't try to kill it, stay within yourself. And so I had come up playing golf that way, and combined with the mechanical flaws that I brought to my swing where I didn't feel like I could release it, when I watch myself in video, it almost seems like I'm not even swinging. I think, God, look at that old man. What is he doing? Um, it looks like I'm moving, th- moving through amber or something, you know, or, or you know, swinging in a swimming pool. Um, so I think, like, to answer your question, I think there was something about freeing myself up from the target a little bit and also having just, like, a pure adrenaline head beast like Wes barking at me to swing hard and don't be afraid. And, you know, as a consequence, actually... I hit it a lot. I hit it pretty straight. I'm generally a pretty straight driver of the golf ball for someone of my ability, but suddenly I was hitting this little tight draw that was really, you know, and also that was part of the necessity of the of the competition. You know, there is some roll out there on the grid, so he really wanted me, and because of the way the wind was working that day, he really wanted me for the competition's purposes to be hitting a tight little draw. And so all in all, as this lesson was going, how much distance did you gain? You mentioned at the top of the show, that you sort of averaged around 250, 260. Uh, how about yeah. at the end of this lesson? Well, so it was hard to tell in the lesson because we were standing on the range and we didn't have a shot tracker and we're hitting into the blinding sun of the Arizona desert and I couldn't really see where the ball was landing. And Wes was saying, oh, that's a good one. That's about 250. That's about 250. We got to the grid where you could see the ball flying and where they have, they have people spotting the shots. My first shot, I think I found the grid, and it flew 255, and I was some around there, and I heard Wes yelling at me, really fire those hips. Again, the same thing, swing hard. And the next one went 280, and I think the third ball went 316. I mean, some of it was roll, but it really, I could tell I really caught it, and it had that feeling of you know flush contact with full release that I don't think I'd ever really had before. And when I saw the ball, in the, the, the number on the screen, it was 316. It was... It was sort of an out-of-body experience. It was pretty shocking. And I saw your reaction there. You you were pretty pumped up there after you ripped that drive. I was pretty psyched. Yeah, I was. You know, I was. I was, I was not expecting that. You know, and also there were some guys behind me who, who sounded so shocked that I that I felt like uh, you know I felt extra pride in having shocked the world. You know, or at least shocked the two drunk guys behind me. So, when, and when did you take this lesson, Josh? This was in Maricopa, Arizona. It's, uh, the venue is uh, Auction Southern Dunes. They have a great Brian Curley course there, but then they have, it's a tri- it's tribal land where they have these different venues all around us. So this was on like a big parking lot of a driving range in Maricopa, Arizona, about half an hour from the Phoenix airport. Very, uh, very informal setting, to say the least. And so it was, it was a few months ago. My question to you now is that even after your long drive expo, Boys, are you still sticking with this lesson? Are you still doing this on on the course, even when you're not trying to rip it down there on the grid? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, I I haven't played that much golf since, but I've been afraid. I've been afraid to bring it to the golf course. <laughs> Strangely, you would think that I would want to bring it to the golf course, but there's something about trying that fire the left hip out as fast as possible, swing as hard as I can. That just in my head, I can't seem to bring to the golf course. I've only played a couple times, but I have not yet had the full courage to do it. 
my goal in life, Luke, is one day to play a round of golf swinging without fear, but I don't know if that will ever happen. Uh, that's, I think that's all our goal, Josh. But anyway, this is great, fascinating yeah. stuff and a great story. Head over to golf.com to read it. Josh, thanks so much. Uh, thanks, Luke. So Josh gained 50 yards off the tee, but he's still a little too afraid to bring that swing to the course, which I can relate to. I mean, we all know the feeling of getting a lesson that feels a little bit uncomfortable and having to take it to the course surrounded by trees and hazards with your friends watching. It's scary and it takes time. But sometimes, you've just got to throw caution to the wind, wind up and give it some juice. Anyway, that brings us to the end of the pod. Stay tuned for more Deconstructed coming to your feed in the near future. And in the meantime, subscribe to the golf.com podcast on SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. I'm Luke Cudnoon with golf.com and keep it in the short stuff. <laughs>